to help to try to restore lives. Father God, give us the words to pray and the words to say, opportunities to serve, serve those not just in this community that are hurting, but in communities around the world that need to hear about you, Father God. Jesus' precious name, when everyone said, amen. amen and amen. I mean, I, as much as I don't like snow, they talk about you don't have to shovel sunshine. Man, whew. Keep them in your prayers down there, all the things that have been going on. I mean, you watch the news and you see that people have lost everything. So keep them in your prayers. Uh, as I said, Pastor Derek will be back this next week, so I'm going to be wrapping up our sermon series on faith for your journey this morning. Uh, I've hoped, I hope you've enjoyed it. Hope that you've gotten something out of this. Uh, we really are on a journey. And the journey is not about today, and it's not about tomorrow, and yet it is about today and tomorrow, amen? Uh, but it's not just about today and tomorrow. It's about weeks and months and years down the road, and I hope that you're ready for this. Uh, our main verse for this has been, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we've, we've talked about faith comes by hearing God's word. Faith exhibits itself through love. If you want to show your faith, love on someone. That faith is the only way to please God. That we can't stop short of the calling that God has put upon us and our lives, that we have to have faith that God can and God will in our unique situations, and we all have unique situations. We're all headed the same way to the high calling of Christ Jesus, and yet we're all going through little different things here and there, amen? And then we talked about last week that God keeps his promises. God may have made a promise to you last week, last year, or last decade, but hold tight to those promises. As we spoke last, as I spoke last week, Abraham waited 25 years for a promise. Man, that's a long time. I use this term quite often, you know, that we live in a microwave society. We want it right now. So imagine waiting 25 years for a promise that God has given you. We have to hold on and have faith in our journey. This week I want to talk about that our faith journey is a marathon. And it's not a sprint. I wish it was a sprint. Anybody know Usain Bolt? Man, he's like my favorite runner. That guy is flat fast. He is fast. But he doesn't know about marathons. I mean, in six seconds, he's done. Go on to the next thing, right? But we are in a marathon. This journey of faith that we're on is a marathon. And it's not just about today, and it's not just about tomorrow, and yet it is about today, and it is about tomorrow, and it's about next week and next year. And you're going to go through, through things in this journey of faith on this marathon that are going to affect you. They're going to try to get you off course. They're going to try to get you to forget the things that God's called you to do. 
the hopes and the dreams that He's given you for your life. Because this is a marathon. The old term Rome wasn't built in a day, neither was your life and neither is your journey. God has something amazing that He wants you to do in your life. And it may not happen tomorrow. It may take time to get you just where you need to be to fulfill what God's calling you to do each and every day. So I was just kind of searching the internet and I said, you know, what's a marathon like? Now I've trained for a half marathon. I lost my mind once and trained for a half marathon. Uh, So are there any runners out there? Any people like to run? All right, I'm with a good group. Uh, We have a friend that we spend time with. She's like, I don't run. So if I'm running, you should run too because something's chasing me. Right? Anybody like that? (laughs) Run fast because something's chasing me. But marathon runners, they think differently than other people. They think differently than sprinters. They think differently than those that don't run. They have to They have to plan, they have to practice, they have to prepare, because they know it's not about right now. You can have the greatest start, man, I had, I want to tell you, I did that half marathon, I had, I was checking my watch, man, I was like way ahead of schedule, but I hadn't even run a mile yet. So I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to bust this out, I'm going to kill this. And then the second mile happened, and the third mile, and the fourth, and the fifth, and I'm like, wow, I must be. I mean, man, I'm making such good time, and then my time started getting slower and slower, and that's okay, because we're in a marathon. It's okay. Now, the, the Atlantic, maybe you've heard of that magazine, they did a short article on runners, and I just wanted to read this excerpt. Bobby Gibb, the first woman who ran the Boston Marathon in 1966, remembers feeling like a Roman ruler as she rounded the 21st mile of her 26-mile trek on that day. She's like, wow, five miles? I can run five miles in my sleep, she wrote in her memoir. I felt like, a, like Caesar crossing the Rubicon. I felt like Caesar standing on the brink of conquering Gaul. Such a feeling of elation and success. But she writes that her triumph quickly faded away. Gave, gave way to the brutal realities of long-distance running. The steep downslopes ripped apart her legs. The blisters on her feet had burst. And now raw flesh... Sounds terrible, doesn't it? It is terrible, just so you know. Raw flesh is rubbing on her nice, new, stiff, boy-size-six shoes. Which I didn't know I was supposed to break in, she wrote. Maybe that's where you're at in your journey. You're like, man, this is so easy. Man, I can see the end. You can't see the end. This is a marathon. And it's not a 26-mile marathon. This is a long, long run that you're on in Christ Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. So don't get discouraged, don't get discouraged if you're, you're looking at your watch. And, man, I, I'm not doing the things that I think I'm supposed to be doing. Keep running the marathon. Amen? Keep running. Have you ever felt like that on your journey? 
blisters on your feet, you're tired, you're weary and well-doing, press on. From a feeling of triumph to that brutal reality that, man, this can be tough. The same article did a small survey of runners and what they think about while they're running. I know what I was thinking about. Where is the end, right? And so for the study, the researchers actually put microphones on the runners, and they said, while you're running and you're training for either marathons or half marathons, or whatever you're training for, we want you to, we want you to just kind of, what comes to your mind? We want you to just kind of speak it out. We want to kind of put together these things and see what people are actually thinking during their marathon while they're training. You know, as you're going through your marathon, what's going through your mind? We're going to look at some of that today. Are you thinking, what's next? What's around the corner? How can I run faster? How can I run slower? What do I need to do next? Can I do this? We've got to keep our eyes on Christ during our journey. It's the only way to be successful during our journey of faith. So here's the first thing that they talked about. The runners talked about pace and distance. Like, what's my pace? If you've trained at all, you, you kind of watch your, watch your watch and you kind of decide, you know, am I running too fast? Am I running too slow? What's going on? You know, the speed measurements, the pep talks while you're running. You don't think you're running fast enough. Maybe you're running too slow. So that you could get just the right balance. And if you've trained for a, for a half marathon or for a marathon, you don't start by running full marathons. Amen? You start by running around the block. That's what I did. I, I just, man, if I can just make it around the block, I'll work on the rest later. So I started running around the block. Then I started running five, 5Ks. Then I started running 10Ks. And then you start running eight miles, and then you start running ten miles, and then you just, you just keep, keep working your way up. And what you'll find out is that when you're training and you run these smaller races, you're, you kind of judge yourself based on how other people are running. And you know what I learned? There's always going to be somebody in front of you, and there's always going to be somebody in back of you. No matter how fast you run or how slow you run, there will always be someone in front or behind you. So here's the first point. Run your race. This marathon that you're running in Christ, run your race. I can't run your race and you can't run mine. You can't run your neighbor's race. They have their own race to run at their own pace. And that's okay. We're all headed the same direction, hopefully. But it's going to be at your own pace. Here's what Hebrews says. Therefore we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, 
despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. You see, you have a race to run, that calling to fulfill that no one else can fulfill. You have a calling in God that no one else can fulfill. So run your race. Don't worry about who's running in front of you or who's running in back of you. I remember this one 5K, they did it right down here uh, at, it wasn't called Vibe Stadium then, it was uh, still Sky Sox Stadium. And I went down there and it was like an Oktoberfest race. Uh, they were raising money, so I, I paid my entry fee and I'm running. And I see this person in front of me, I'm like, I am going to stay with them, no matter what. And it about killed me. It about killed me. Best time I ever had. Last time I ever ran that, that fast. That's okay. Find the pace that works for you. We talk about finding our 15. You may be way past your 15. And that's great. But someone may be just trying to find their 15. And that's okay too. So run your race. Don't worry about who's in front and who's behind. Let Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. It says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, individually and corporately. You see, individually, we're running a race. And corporately, as a body of Christ, not just here at this church, but the churches around the world are corporately running a race as well. So run your race. Here's what Galatians says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Don't be burdened. Don't slow down when you're supposed to speed up and don't speed up when you're supposed to slow down on this race. Consistency is the key. It says you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. I remember this one race, man, I had a really good time. I thought I was doing really good. You know, somebody will pass you. Now, this happens on, on our roads out here, so you, even if you don't run, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody passes you, and then they hit, and then they slow down. That happens in our race sometimes. It says, you are running a good race. Who interrupted you? Usually, it's the enemy. Usually, it's something that pulls you away from what you're supposed to be doing. It says, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. You see, Christ has called you to run your race. Don't let anything or anyone hinder you in that race that he's called you to run. So I want to ask, how's your pace? Too fast? Too slow? Find the pace that God has called you to run in. You see, our faith journey can be hindered by those things that so easily ensnare us. Notice that in Hebrews 12, when it talks about so great a cloud of witnesses, it, it's the first verse right after Hebrews chapter 11, talking about all the 
heroes of faith and all the things that are going on. And that's why Paul says, I've given you all of these examples from the Old Testament. There's, it's such a great cloud of witness. Now go run your race. Don't let anyone hinder you. Do what God's called you to do. You have to run your race. No one else can run it. And you can't blame anyone for slowing you down. Amen. can't tell you how many times people have come with amazing ideas for the church to do. Try to put us in this direction or this direction. And Pastor Derek always says the same thing. Do what's in your heart to go do. But the mission of this church, the race that we're running is this. But if God's called you to do that, by all means, who am I to tell you that God didn't tell you to do that? Go do it. Go do it. We won't hinder you in your race, and you won't hinder us in ours. Amen? You see, we as a church are in a marathon, not a sprint. Our race is to win people to Christ. To tell them about the good news. And as Pastor Derek likes to say, keeping the good news, the good news. Amen? So maybe you've read through Hebrews 11 over the last couple weeks and you've seen some of the different players and some of the different characters that are in there. Maybe you're not Noah and you're not called to build a boat. Maybe you're not Rahab and you're not going to help the Israeli spies. Maybe you're not Jacob who through faith it says he spoke a blessing over his children. Maybe you're not Moses Done, did the things that he did. It says that he despised the, the riches of Egypt and went out into the desert. Maybe you're not one of those characters, but you have a race to run. So run your race, amen? Be a hero of faith to those around you, to your family, to your friends. The next thing that runners thought about was pain and discomfort. I want to tell you, I never hurt so bad than after running a marathon, half marathon. You know, these thoughts related to the various aches and sores that are often a result of slamming your feet and joints into the ground for hours at a time. Fittingly, the article said, these snippets contained a considerable amount of bad language. So here's what I want to tell you when you start feeling the pain in your marathon. You've got to persevere through tough times. You have to persevere. You can't finish the race without persevering. You can't finish your race or any race without persevering. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And as much as I love Usain Bolt, he's amazing. I'm not sure if he knows about perseverance. An amazing runner. And what he does is amazing. But it takes perseverance to finish a marathon. And that's what we're in, church, is a marathon. So you've got to hang in there. You've got to keep your head down. And as the old saying goes, just buck it up. Keep moving on. Things are going to happen, amen? The old saying, life happens, it really does. Right in the middle of, mm. So here's what Isaiah says. 
says he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Maybe you're like, man, that's where I'm at in this marathon. I got nothing left. I'm spent. I don't even know if I can finish. You can. Why? Because he gives strength to those who have no strength left. It says, even youth shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Amen? They shall walk and not faint. Wherever you're at in this marathon, God will give you the strength to continue on, but it takes waiting on Him. Not your own strength, but the strength that only He can supply. It takes waiting on the Lord, not just running headlong, but actually waiting on God. What's the next thing you want me to do, God? Not getting ahead of where He wants you to be. Not getting behind where He needs you to be. But what's just the right place for you waiting on his timing and not ours who that's tough amen church waiting on his timing perseverance takes patience takes patience here's what james said blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. But you have to persevere. It's easy to quit. Too easy to quit. I had to teach, I got taught that lesson by my dad when I wanted to quit, and I taught it to my daughters. I told them, go play sports, enjoy high school, play all the different sports. Play all of them. So they played all the different sports. And they found some that they didn't like, and so they come to me, they're complaining, they want to quit. And I said, oh yeah, let's, let's look at the schedule. Your last game is this, you can quit the day, next day. No problem. Right? It's too easy to quit, church. We've got to learn to persevere. Why? Because life is going to happen. Running this marathon takes perseverance through pain and discomfort through trial and tribulations, through ups and downs in your faith. But only those who persevere and finish the race get the prize. There's no stopping short of the goal. No stopping short of the goal that God has called you to. We need perseverance. Here's what Romans says. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. What a terrible way to start a verse. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. So if you want hope, you need to build your character. And if you want to build character, you need to persevere. And unfortunately, the only way to persevere is to suffer some setbacks. You see, if everything's going good all the time, there's nothing to persevere through. 
If everything's ice cream, popcorn, and golf, there's, there's nothing to persevere through. You can only persevere through suffering and through tough times. There was a study done by McKinsey and Company said that 40% of people are planning on leaving their jobs in 2022-2023. So if you're one of those people and you go to the store and there's no one to serve you or the restaurant, don't blame them. Right? Persevere. God has called us to persevere. It's too easy to quit. The next thing is the environment. As they were running, these thoughts centered around geography, weather, wildlife, traffic, and other people. Some of these encounters were viewed more positively than others. One gentleman said, wow, that's a cute rabbit at the end of the road. Or wow, the fish are really jumping today. And one guy said, this is me recording a log of my death by rattlesnakes. I don't know where he was running, but he should run somewhere else. You see, your physical environment affects you. Our everyday surroundings have a powerful impact on our mood, our emotions, our attention span, and our focus on God. Don't allow those things that are around you, as cute as they may be, to affect your marathon, to affect your journey of faith, Remember the movie Up? One of my wife's favorite movies. Everything was fine until what? Squirrel. You're running your race, you're doing great, and then squirrel. There are things that will pull you off of the path that God has called you to. Focus is what it takes. And that's the next point. You've got to stay focused. We have to stay focused on this marathon. It's too easy to get off. Get off the track, like I said on our vacation. Take the exit. Forget to get back on again. There are so many distractions out there. Here's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without significance. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of things going on. Check your feed. There's a lot of people out there trying to get your attention. Don't allow those voices to affect your race. So many distractions are pulling us from our walk. I talked about finding your 15. Finding a special time for you and God to connect. But you know what's going to happen when you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. At this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and at this time, you know what's going to happen? Your phone's going to ping, you're going to get a text, the phone's going to ring, it's going to do whatever. Why? Because there's so many voices out there, and none of them are without significance. So many voices outside trying to distract you from what God has called you to do. Here's what Matthew chapter 24 says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. But you have to stand firm. And you can only stand firm when you stay 
focused. I got to watch a video of the gentleman that guard the tomb of the unknown soldier. Wow. That is amazing. Google it. Check it out. They are focused. They do not let anything get in their way. We have to stand firm, not distracted by events or situations or voices swirling around us. The enemy is out to distract you on your journey of faith. So you might say, well, how do I stay focused? I'm glad you asked. I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 6. We learned this in Instay. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Well, sometimes we think it is, but it's not. But against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you've done all and everything to stand, it says stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I can imagine that as Paul's writing this, he's just thinking through all of the things that the Romans that were conquering the land were wearing. And as he was thinking through this, he's thinking, how does this, how, do, how does all of this pertain to me and my Christian walk? And each of them have a very specific purpose. And I'm going to run through those. The belt of truth, because without knowing the truth, the enemy's lies can creep in. The breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness is in Christ, not our own works. To always be walking in Christ. The breastplate protects our heart. Our feet in the readiness of the gospel of peace, proclaiming God's good news. Keeping the good news the good news. The shield of faith able to stop the enemy's arrows headed towards you. I was reading that the enemy, that the Romans used to soak their wooden shields in water so that when the enemy would shoot fiery arrows at them, it would quench them. The helmet of salvation covering your mind so that when the enemy whispers lies about you, it's covering and being covered in the salvation of God. The helmet protects our minds because we need and have the minds of Christ. The sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Christ used God's word against the enemy during his temptation, and we can as well. When we're tempted on this journey, on this marathon that we're running, we can use the word of God to keep the enemy at bay. The sword is offensive as well as defensive. Remember Joseph was told to meditate on the word of God and to keep it close to his heart and then it said that he 
would be prosperous and successful. The only way for him to do that was to keep God's word close to him and meditate on it. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. We have a personal responsibility to hold ground as soldiers for the truth. Not distracted by every work of the enemy. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy about finishing his marathon. He wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. We have a race to run, church. Don't stop short. Follow the pace that God has called you to. Just the right time and just the right place. Not his timing out of place, but his timing in just the right place. Here's what else Paul wrote. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul was focused on running and winning the race. He knew that it was a marathon. And he finished his race. He didn't stop short. And I ask you not to stop short in your race as well. Have the right pace to run your race. Persevere in times of trouble. Not being pulled to the left or to the right. And stay focused on what God has called you to do. And I'll stay focused on what God has called me to do. And we can stay focused on what God has called us to do. Amen? Here's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness in deceitful scheming. We must stay focused on God. Amen. This morning we're going to take communion together. So on your right, sorry, on your left, my right, there's a bowl of, with communion elements in it. You know, as we're running the marathon, we have to acknowledge the author and finisher of our faith. So we're going to remember Christ today. It says, when you take communion, do this in remembrance of me. We can't start our race, run our race, or finish our race without Christ. Amen? So I'm going to give you a moment to open up your elements, and we'll take all those together. Something about remembering Christ. Who gives us the strength to finish 
our race. It says, after supper, he took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it. He said, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And afterwards, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood. It's spilled for the forgiveness of sins. Not the not the blood of bulls and goats or turtle doves. But Christ shedding his blood on the cross for us. Let's partake. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to start our race. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. For giving us the faith to call on his name to begin our race. Thank you for giving us strength during our race. For pouring your spirit out upon us so that we can persevere through times of trials and trouble. Thank you for when we finish our race, Father. You will give us a crown. Uh, Not for us to keep, but for us to throw down at the feet of the author and finish of our faith, Jesus Christ. We love you, Father, and we thank you that you are a loving God, caring for us, watching over us and protecting us. Will you give us the strength to finish the race that you've called us to run? Will you love on us and care for us? as we continue this journey in you. Not being pulled to the left or to the right, but caring for those around us. Persevering through times of trial and tribulation. Let us run this race the race that you've called us to run. In Jesus' precious name, when everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have a great, great rest of your week. We'll see you next Sunday.